Hello and welcome to the 8th episode of the Rethink Wireless podcast, where our analysts here at Rethink's wireless communications arm talk about the week's wireless news. I'm Luke Brown, an analyst, and I'm here today with Rethink's principal analysts, Caroline Gabriel. Hi there. And Phil Hunter. Hello. This week, Caroline will take a look at an announced Bartier-Tel Meta Open RAN partnership, while Phil will talk about some developments with Qualcomm's fixed wireless access offerings. Let's start with you, Caroline. Why are Airtel and Meta in the news this week? What have they agreed on? Um, They've announced quite a far-reaching alliance. Uh, So Bharti Airtel is the second largest uh, operator in the Indian market. Um, And they are, uh, the two companies are uh, working together in three areas, actually. Um, Open RAN in um, Uh, providing a communications platform as a service for enterprises and also co-investing into some extended subsea cable uh, projects. So quite a few different aspects of uh, of sort of network expansion in in India and Meta, uh, this is part of an ongoing um, initiative by Meta to expand its presence in this obviously very, very large market. Um, How's the open run component significant here? Um, what's the context of, of that partnership? Yeah, I think it's significant um, for a couple of reasons. Um, Barty Airtel has been quite a strong proponent of Open RAN and it's done some trials, but um, so far has, uh, has stopped short of deploying at any large scale and has sort of commented that uh, the technology generally is not ready uh, for the sort of challenges that uh, the Airtel will, will face in building out its its 5G network. I mean, for a bit of background, both Airtel and its major competitor, Reliance Geo, recently won 5G Spectrum and have set extremely ambitious timescales to deploy uh, nationwide 5G coverage. So they're really looking for architectures that are very deployable, very scalable um, from day one. So... Um, Airtel, in common with uh, with other operators in other markets, has sort of said that Open RAN, while interesting, isn't ready for this. On Meta's side, Meta is um, an important player in the Open RAN ecosystem, particularly uh, because when it was still Facebook, um, it set up the Telecom Infra project. Um, Airtel is a big part of that project, and TIP uh, exists to make Open RAN architectures more deployable. To uh, support common testing and, uh, and other enablers um, of, of scale in this market. So Meta has a big interest in um, accelerating the progress of Open RAM, particularly in major opportunity markets like India. You know, The risk is that if Airtel and Geo build out their huge 5G networks using conventional vendors and architectures, it would be quite a long wait for perhaps the second phase of build out and opportunity for these uh, these new open architectures. So I think we can see here um, Meta lending some of its weight to uh, to make it easier for Airtel um, to to adopt open run at least in certain areas at an early stage. So they're working together on making it more automated, on efficient management systems, um, and some of the other you know, very critically uh, critical enablers um, of a major rollout. And of course, anything that they develop together and proves uh, strong in Airtel's testing can then be shared through TIP with the wider operator community and maybe have some of the same uh, knock-on benefits in, in other markets as well. Um, there are also other areas of cooperation. So I think they mention um, software as a service and subsea cables. 
Um, what can you tell us about that? Yes, I mean, looking first at the um, uh, Communications Platform as a Service Initiative, um, this will see the two companies um, working together to uh, enable enterprises to use some of the meta applications and channels, such as WhatsApp, um, to uh, provide communication uh, for those enterprises with their own customers uh, using Airtel's connectivity. So really this is um, a, a way to help uh, induce very, very large base of small medium enterprises in particular uh, to communicate efficiently with their customers, um, to extend their brand, to provide um, over-the-air services, uh, marketing, uh, advertising and so on. Um, using um, the meta apps. I mean, WhatsApp has has a vast base of use usage um, in India. It's a very strong way for companies to uh, to communicate with with their customers, most of whom will be quite active users of WhatsApp. Um, and of course, it's an opportunity for Airtel to uh, extend its connectivity usage and revenue uh, with these small medium businesses, which uh, uh, which are extremely large in number and all the big hyperscalers have been very keen to target them to sort of expand from a purely consumer usage base in India uh, to a business base. And then, as you said, the uh, the other aspect of this deal, and the one that, that will involve the largest sums of money that, and the most sort of near-term uh, real investment um, is looking at subsea cables. Um, the All the American hyperscalers um, are big investors in consortia to build out um, submarine cables, which are basically huge fat pipes that um, link different uh, regions and continents together uh, to enable high quality uh, internet access and other types of, of connectivity. Um, it, it, India has a very high pent up demand for um, high quality connectivity in its own right, and it's also um, a hub, a regional hub for connectivity into uh, into other areas. And the more it can communicate. Uh, across oceans um, with, uh, with with other regions, uh, you know, Africa, Asia, and so on, the more business opportunities there are for Indian operators, such as Airtel um, uh, and its partners in, uh, elsewhere. Um, and we have to remember that Airtel is also a major operator in Africa, so this will help it to interconnect some of its different businesses, but also to work um, with other telcos and with enterprises uh, to provide um, subsea um subsidy enabled services around the world so this is a big investment in infrastructure and all these three things um they do fit together um for meta in particular one of uh, meta's goals of course is to extend connectivity to everybody in the globe um so that it can maximize the addressable market for its own services the number of people that can access those services and have sufficiently high quality connectivity to use them in a really you know active immersive way so um from subsea to um to a, a simpler way to build out 5g ran all these are part of what meta would like to see which is truly ubiquitous connectivity um you you mentioned the hyperscale's involvement in India. Um, what are their goals there, and how are they planning to to reach them? Um, yes, I mean the the American hyperscalers um, are all active in India, particularly the three big cloud providers, so um, AWS, uh, Microsoft Azure, and Google Cloud, plus uh, Meta, um, and they 
they all have certain things in common in how they view India. Uh, as with Meta, all of them will benefit from uh, expanding high quality connectivity quite rapidly uh, in such a huge market. Clearly, um, India in, in the mobile um, sense is will soon be the second biggest market in the world. Uh, it's not quite as um, advanced in the fixed line, but it's building very, very quickly on, on its fibre. So, um, and I think particularly the American hyperscalers um, are really focusing on India at the minute um, even more than usual because of uh, the sort of geopolitics, which has made some of their other big opportunity markets more difficult. China's always been um, pretty much a closed book for them, um, but other markets that they were targeting at, at certain points. I mean, Russia, for obvious reasons, is, is now a difficult one. Uh, Brazil, for different reasons, that was a very, very big target and is, is more challenging um, for American companies to work in at the moment. So um, so India really is, is, is the, a yeah, huge um, target opportunity for all of them. So at the base level, they want to extend connectivity so that they have a bigger addressable base for their, their core services. Um, in Meta's case and Google's case, a lot of that is consumer and small business applications, mobile applications um, for Google, of course, the whole Android ecosystem. But the public cloud providers um, also wanting to extend the reach of their cloud services for consumers and business. So it's it's partly about building um, expansion for their core offerings, uh, but it's also a bit further than that. There's a strategic interest, I think, by by all these hyperscalers, um, particularly Meta and um, Google, uh, in sort of driving the direction of infrastructure. They can see that India is building out its infrastructure very rapidly. They want to be investors in that. They want to shape the direction of it. They want to make sure that the networks that are built are really well suited to how they see the market developing. Um, so I, I think you know their, their, their strategic interest in India goes beyond just supporting expansion um, of, their, of their applications and, and services and uh, really sees them becoming um, major investors in infrastructure and, and looking to make a return on that investment in its own right. Um, what what do you think the the future for the Indian market will look like in that respect? Will the hyperscalers kind of divvy up the market between themselves, or will they have to deal with um, foreign rivals, either Indian-born or um, Pacific Asia-Pacific rivals? Yes, it's interesting. I mean, the the Chinese hyperscalers have had interests in India um, at the moment. Probably they are disadvantaged by by politics, but um, but they they've invested a lot in some of the neighbouring regions, so wouldn't count them out. But at the moment, uh, yes, they're they're at a disadvantaged position compared to the Americans. Um, it will be interesting to see whether India can develop its own um, cloud uh, and sort of applications and um, giants. Uh, they certainly have an ambition to do so, um, and they do have quite significant localised providers, both of cloud and of um, applications and content. Um, so there definitely is local competition. It doesn't have, of course, the scale um, of the American companies. It's it's very specific to India. Um, doesn't have any particular international reach. However, in a market as big as that, that can still 
um, create a powerful business. So I think the market will be somewhat fragmented. And if the hyperscalers want to dominate, they will probably need to form quite strong partnerships with the local providers and especially for local content. Um, which, of course, is very important. India has a very high number of, of, of languages, for instance, which it's uh, which are not necessarily well supported um, by uh, by the content that that is provided on some of these platforms, and that includes business applications and services, not just consumer content. So, uh, so yes, I think there are there are challenges for the hyperscalers, but they're bringing a lot of money into the market, a lot of investment. So they will certainly have um, a very powerful position. From the telecom point of view, this is a market where they can't bypass the telcos, particularly the two big ones, Geo and Airtel. Um, in India, the telcos sort of brand relationship with the customer is much stronger um, than it is in quite a lot of other markets. So whereas in Western markets, consumers will typically um, see Apple or Google or Samsung as their primary mobile brand relationship and the operator somewhat secondary to that um, in India it's the other way around so um, so as well as needing to use uh, Airtel's and Geo's actual um, connectivity their actual networks but the hyperscalers also really need to uh, tap into their consumer brand relationship uh, and also um, their existing um a sort of installed base, if you like, with these small and medium enterprises. There are so many of them, and it's not particularly natural for the hyperscalers to develop, um, you know, very strong, very distributed um, relationships and connectivity. So uh, we do see uh, that as being an advantage that the telcos um, bring to them is ready-made context and reach um, to this, this very, very large and growing base of businesses. Okay, thank you for that, Caroline. Um, we'll move on to Phil now. Um, what did Qualcomm announce last week and how does it fit into the context of their fixed wireless access uh, involvement so far? Yes, uh, thank you, Luke. Um, yeah, well, I mean, Qualcomm has been a sort of a driver of um, fixed wireless access for a few years now, almost an evangelist, you might, might say. And um, through its development of um, the silicon for the CPE and of course fixed wireless has a slightly different requirement from mobile devices and that being fixed you can actually exploit that to increase the um, capacity you get and um, also the reliability and robustness and Qualcomm has also been um, an advocate of millimeter wave and with fixed wireless access it's sort of brought these together, certainly um, since February um, 2021, when it launched its second 5G fixed wireless access platform that was, um, I think, the first to support both sub-6 gigahertz and also millimeter wave. And it included a sort of reference design to help vendors um, commercialize CPE equipment that incorporated millimeter wave as as well as sort of the um, mid- mid-range. And um, since then, um, Qualcomm has been working on, um, you know, obviously extending the range and capacity further, but also they were quite aware that um, costs would have to come down to sort of make this technology um, more appealing, especially in some of the developing markets. And so what they've just launched um, is a, a, a sort of 5G RAM platform for FWA that combines 
um, the sort of um, capacity and scale of their macro cells um, with the sort of, I suppose, the lower cost and compactness of small cells. And um, so it's supposedly to give the best of both worlds and is aimed not just, but particularly at some of the developing markets. And um, that will sort of tie into some of our subsequent questions. Um, so it's, I mean, essentially, it's a, a sort of um, a more compact design that's sort of um, particularly suited for some of these um, like smaller fixed wireless access opportunities. What is the state of fixed wireless access right now? Um, do we have uh, what? What are some of the kind of predictions of user numbers floating around right now? Well, I mean, um, some of them may have been partly driven by Qualcomm's um, developments, but I mean, I mean, it's, it's always hard to, um, it's slightly hard to un- un- untangle hype from <laughs> reality, and you know, I mean, I mean, I, I, that particular comment was sort of prompted by Ericsson's um, recent. Um, mobility report in which it revised upwards its previous predictions of fixed wireless access subscribers to suggest that by 2028 there would be about 300 million um, fixed wireless access homes worldwide and um, that's quite vastly more than they were predicting and uh, and it's sort of based partly on, I, th- I think they were may, may, they may, it may have been based partly on um, the statement made by Reliance Geo in India that they were planning to target 100 billion fixed wireless access 5G homes within a few years. Um, but I, I think I, th- I think it's fair. I think it's pretty fair to say that the, um, there has been uptake in the market that um, the expectations of growth generally worldwide are somewhat ahead of where they were a year ago, but perhaps not by as much as Ericsson is suggesting. Um, what? I mean, we we also made our own prediction here at Rethink. Um, what do we think about that? Uh, what what numbers did we come up with, and, and why did well, they differ? Well, we did indeed. Um, I mean, I mean, I mean, our predictions for that sort of time scale um, were sort of round about two hundred and twenty million mark, and uh, you know, we, we'll be revisiting this in twenty twenty three, and it may well be. Um, that our numbers are revised up as a little. I mean, I don't think you could ever, you, you, you're never going to go from one year to another and be able to say, well, our forecasts are absolutely spot on. But I, I, I still think it won't be so far. I think, I think Ericsson has perhaps over-egged the pudding slightly because it's sort of, um, if, if it's taken that number <laughs> partly on the expectations of one particular operator in India. <laughs> and, and, but, 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 but there is, you know, there's a, there's a bit... Um, a bit of um, smoke there, but not as much as um. So yeah, not that yeah. big of a fire. Yeah. yeah. So, so we so we stick largely by our numbers, but agree that there is uh, um quite a lot of energy in the market, um, especially in some areas. Um, there are more fixed wireless uh, developments this week, unsurprisingly. Um, what are the Europeans, uh, especially Swisscom, doing? Well, here, um, I, mean, I, I mean, I suppose there's two, there's two, there's two aspects here. I mean, I mean a, a sort of week, week or two ago, we reported on Vodafone's launching a fixed wireless access um, service in Spain and used that as evidence that um, fixed wireless access services were 
being deployed not just in the United States and that there was activity in Europe and other developing nations. But the development you've just referred to is sort of on the enterprise side of um, fixed wireless access because Swisscom is targeting enterprises specifically at sort of remote locations not reached by its network. And of course, Switzerland has sort of um, a, a mountainous terrain that's quite well suited when um, combined with its demographics for fixed wireless access. You know, you've got a number of locations you can reach quite well from base stations located in prominent positions. And also you've got a number of locations that are not conveniently reached by fiber or fixed networks. So um, there is that angle, and we've seen also in neighboring Austria that um, fixed wireless access is being deployed. Um, but I mean, on the on the enterprise side, the demands are slightly different. You know, you've, you need a bit higher capacity, and also the actual sites concerned aren't located in exactly the same places. They might be clustered in sort of business parks or around the edges of towns and so on. So there's not a complete carryover, but nonetheless, we are now seeing um, enterprise which is being targeted by fixed wireless access. What do we have um, in the U.S. happening right now? Well, there you see, um, the USA is um, was one of the leaders, but um, for fixed wireless access and and um, on the on the consumer side, and that's also been the case on the enterprise side. And um, the big three operators, that's, um, AT&T, Verizon, and T-Mobile, U.S. have all got in on the act with various announcements and they were sort of encouraged in this endeavor also with the growth in home working during the pandemic, which of course also meant that you had to have some kind of offering that combined home working with an <laughs> enterprise for fixed wireless access. But anyway, AT&T came in with its fixed wireless access for businesses in March 2021. And it's, it sort of described it as the first nationwide business-focused broadband network, rather <laughs> optimistically. And that, and that allowed customers a choice of routers from Sierra Wireless or Ericsson Cradle Point. But I mean, I remember thinking at the time that they were offering speeds of um, 100 megabits per second at most. So I don't think it enjoyed a huge amount of take up it wasn't really quite fast enough see verizon then came in with one that went up to 400 megabits per second and um t-mobile had its i think what was it called work from anywhere around the same time so anyway i mean well, these early deployments sort of in in the usa have actually given all those uh, um operators a chance to actually sort of grapple with um some of the opportunities, some of the issues that you get with fixed wireless access in the enterprise and also how to position them alongside the fixed offerings and combine them with um, you know, satellite where necessary to sort of reach very remote locations and so on. And also, as I mentioned, the integration of the office, the enterprise offerings with work at home offerings, which um, I think um, T-Mobile has been particularly um, been probably the most successful in addressing. Are there differences in how enterprise and consumer fixed wireless is um, 
uh, are developing? Are are they kind of diverging a, a bit right now? Would you say? Uh, well, I mean, I mean, there's a, there's a there's a technical side, as, as I was just mentioned. You you, want, you do need a bit more capacity, probably, to have a compelling enterprise um, fixed wireless access offering. And then there's also the fact that the enterprises aren't always located in quite the same. We haven't got quite the same distribution of sites being reached. Is another difference, and uh, and maybe maybe a third difference is that um, you know. Um, Fixed wireless access is gaining, is is starting to now grow faster um, on the consumer side in developing countries and in developed ones, but that's not the case on the enterprise side. That's it's not really sort of taking off so much in the um, developing countries. Although, although having said that, Reliance Geo, who I mentioned, has has cited businesses as a target for its. Fixed wireless access offering within that time, but then, but then that is perhaps a little bit of a special case. Um, so that, those really are the differences. But I mean, I mean, in, in many cases, the same, the same service as as in the case of Reliance Geo will be trying to hoover up who's ever within range, whether it's sort of business sites or um, or consumers. But that does require having the ability to meet the requirements for capacity and performance. You know. Well, thank you for that as well, Phil. Um, this will be it for uh, Rethink Wireless for this week. Um, I want to thank everyone for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And of course, we hope you'll join us again next week. Thank you, and it's bye-bye from me. And bye-bye from me as well. Thank you, goodbye.